Well, <laughs> thank you. I haven't even told any jokes yet. Welcome here, everyone. Uh, I want to say a special hello and welcome to all of you that are joining on SouthsideLife.com or YouTube. Maybe you're watching through the app. And I want to extend a special hello uh, to those of you that watch SouthsideLife.com in Hefei, China. And hey, we're praying for you and everything that your country is going through right now with the coronavirus. And my hope is that you would be a source of life and hope in your city. On that note, uh, if you ever miss a Sunday, maybe you're away on, on holiday or perhaps you're sick, uh, I strongly encourage you and actually challenge you to think about uh, becoming a digital disciple and catching up on SouthsideLife.com or YouTube or the app because we really do believe in the word that God has for us every single week. And in, if the, these messages speak to you and bring life to you, then share them on your social platforms and help us really get the, the truth and hope out into our city. And on the plus side, if you watch online, you, you don't even have to wear pants. Right, that's, that's one way to be comfortable at church. But I would say if you do come and join us live, which is always better, please do. Right, we want everyone to feel comfortable here on a Sunday morning, so please wear your pants. But I'm excited to be able to start off our More series on our one-year anniversary of our two-year expanded vision of More. We got one more year. And Leah did a great job summarizing this, this vision. And a year ago, this church came together and made the $6.5 million commitment to bring more help, hope, and a home to this city. And it's been an incredible year. And we're going to look back and celebrate what God's been able to do and also look ahead in anticipation of what he's preparing to do. And we can't wait to hear more about that later. But I want to start off today by asking you a series of questions, kind of taking a poll uh, of all of you in the gym this morning, and it's a way that we can kind of connect with each other in a way that I can get to know you a bit better. So I'm going to ask you some questions. If they apply to you, just simply raise your hand. If you're visiting with us, don't feel, you know, propelled to do it. I'm not going to single you out unless you're one of my friends, and then I might. Uh, but we'll start off with something easy. Uh, how many people here have been attending Southside for longer than a month? Show of hands. Right? Awesome. Hey, if your hand's not up, please text in hello. We'd love to give you that gift of that $5 Starbucks e-card. Uh, who here is married? Show of hands who's married. Right? All the single people here taking notes. Right? They're like, oh, that handsome guy over there in church. Hand down. Who loves their job? Hand up if you love your job. Okay? Less hands. Less hands. Who wants a new one? Show of hands. Who would like a new job? Does your, does your boss attend Southside Church? Okay. Well, that would be awkward. You might get that new job sooner than you expected, Sylvia. <laughs> Okay, let's get a little more personal. Uh, who wants to make a difference and an impact with their life? Yes. Okay, maybe a little more personal. Who gets a little frustrated that they might not be living up to their full potential? I'd put myself in there. Okay, I want you to close your eyes for this one because I want you to be honest with me, and then I want to pray for us as we jump in this morning. Who here feels a little tired, exhausted, maybe even a little defeated heading into 2020? and that you're just not winning in certain areas of your life. Show of hands. Yeah, wow. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you so much that we have the opportunity to come together and lean in to the word that you have for each and every one of us today. God, my prayer is that you would speak through this message, speak truth and life and hope, and that all of us would leave here today a little more inspired and motivated, but most of all changed, that we'd be changed people and continue to change our city. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's get to it. 
We're going to jump into the life of the prophet Samuel. I know this seems like the never-ending story. We've been talking about Samuel for a while, but it's been so good. Right? I feel I've learned so much from his life. And we're going to look at the last time that he actually appears in the Bible. It's the time that King Saul's at war, and Israel's at war with the Philistines. And, and the Bible says that Saul's greatly distressed, probably because he's at war, but also he's been chasing David in this pursuit to kill him because he's been living this life of jealousy. And David's actually taken camp with the Philistines. So Saul actually breaks a law that he created and seeks out the help of a medium, the witch of Endor, and asks her to rise up the spirit of Samuel so he can ask him some questions. And much to the medium's surprise and a crazy turn of events, God actually allows it to happen. And Samuel actually shows up. And this is what he says to Saul. He says, the Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. Be with me. Samuel's in the spirit. That means, long story short, Saul's going to die. That must have been a sobering moment for Saul. Not the answer he was looking for. And also probably didn't help with his distress. It's interesting how one of the things that makes us often think about and contemplate our own life is the opposite of it. Death. I've had people come up and ask my wife and I this question. They say, you and Becky are so busy. You're involved in so many things. You participate in the community and, and through Southside and with the kids. You know, how do you guys accomplish so much? And the first thing is, you know, I'm, I'm married to an incredible woman who's very organized and creative. Uh, but the other part is I've lived an interesting life. And it's been one that's been lived in close proximity to death. Right? You might be thinking, is he dying an assassin? And I've been set free of that. No, I'm not an assassin. But through personal experiences in my life and through my family and occupations I've had working in the public service with the government, serving um, in, you know, certain public service groups in our community and in ministry, I've just lived a life that's experienced death a lot. And it's actually something I consider a blessing in my life. Before I was two years old, my father passed away really suddenly of a brain aneurysm. And my mom was left to pick up the pieces of their life. They were building their dream home together. And she was left to raise three boys all on her own. And I was able to witness kind of her walk in faith through that and in her life. When I was 25 years old, I was diagnosed with late-stage testicular cancer, which led to a surgery immediately and was also left with the reality and fear that it had spread to my lymphatic system. And then I was faced with a very Saul-like experience in that I was faced with this, re this stark reality that my life might be cut dramatically shorter than I had anticipated. Now that was 10 years ago, so obviously that was just a, a chapter in my life. It wasn't the end of my story. But it's given me a unique perspective, you see, because like a lot of us, I've asked that question over and over again, God, why? Why are these things happening? Why have they happened to me? And I've asked that question enough that I got an answer. And that answer is purpose. That there's a, a purpose in my life, and there's a purpose in your life. You see, because growing up without a dad, that gave me purpose to maximize every second that I have being able to father my kids. Being faced with my own death has given me a, a purpose in appreciating and maximizing every single day that I get. Because I've lived through the fragility of life. 
and being a part of the, the mission of this church and on staff at Southside Church has given me access to your lives. And I've been able to walk with you through some of your ups and downs, some of your highs and lows. Whether it's standing at the altar and, and celebrating the marriage between you and your spouse. Or maybe some of your lows. Maybe you lost your spouse. You lost a family member. Maybe you've even lost one of your kids. And I've been able to walk with you through that grief. It's made me understand the purpose and the mission of this church. That God changes us and he's changed us to bring more help and the hope of Jesus to this city. One life, one story at a time. And I want to share a story to illustrate that point. A number of weeks ago, I was uh, contacted with a request to attend the hospital to be with a family who was losing their dad and their husband in his battle with lung cancer. And at the time, uh, I was painting the inside of our house. And we live way out in eastern Chilliwack, and we have one vehicle. And my wife had taken our, our three kids out of the house for the day so that they didn't rub their bodies all over the fresh paint. And That's a true story. And... Um, and so I was stranded. And so I told Pastor Sarah, our community development pastor, I said, Sarah, I'd, I'd love to be there, but I'm stuck. You know, if there's anyone that could pick me up, I can go, but I'm, I'm stranded out here. And that sat heavy with me for the rest of the day. And so my family got home later that evening, and, and I called Pastor Sarah right away. I said, hey, is the family interested in me still coming? And she said, absolutely. I said, actually, at 9 o'clock, they're planning on taking him off of his assisted breathing machines, and they expect him to pass soon after. And it was 8.30. And in that moment, I felt great purpose and an urgency. Because I knew this family. I had actually sat with the wife and cried and prayed with her right over there on the week that they had got his terminal cancer diagnosis. And I knew this man. I'd seen him come and go at Southside, but I didn't really know where he stood with God. And so I felt this great purpose. And so I, I went down there right away. And I just remember, you know, walking with such a purpose into this hospital, in a place that's so dark and hopeless, with this purpose to bring life and hope. And I was able to sit with this man and his wife on his hospital bed. And we talked about how God has this incredible redemption plan for his life. And his name's Jesus Christ, and how he came and he lived and died so that he too could have new life. That his sins would be forgiven. And even though death and darkness were literally standing at his doorway— that Jesus offered life and hope, not just today and tomorrow, but for eternity. We talked about the, the criminal that was crucified right beside Jesus on the cross, who even in his last moments reached out to Jesus in faith, and Jesus told him, because of your faith, you will join me in paradise. And that man accepted Jesus that night, and he walked from darkness into light, from death to life. And I'll never forget the, the medical staff coming in. And all of a sudden, he, he was at peace. And he told us, he said, I know where I'm going now. And to quote him directly, he said, let's do this. And so they turned off the machines. And I remember the family all gathered around. And they laid hands on him. And we read through Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. 
And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as he was slowly losing consciousness, he opened his eyes one last time. And he looked at us. And with his last words, he said, that's powerful. And then he closed his eyes and he slipped off until he passed. You know, it felt like his family and I literally ushered him right up to the gates of heaven to meet his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for him so that he could have life. It made me think of purpose. There's something that Pastor Mike has said hundreds of times, and it's so true, that we live in the scene of a great battle, a battle for men and women, little boys and little girls, and the stakes are life and death. And the scope is eternal. But what does that actually mean for you? What does that mean for this church? Pastor Mike introduced a story in the fall of last year about the Maritime Life-Saving Society. It was a, a society of people that would line the coast in little huts and they'd watch for lost or wrecked ships that needed rescued. And they had a slogan that was, you have to go out, but you don't have to come back in. And that story really hit me. I think it impacted a lot of us. And, and most, a lot of you will know this about me. Some of you won't. But I was a search and rescue technician for over a decade. And all rescue agencies, whether it's Coast Guard, paramilitary, combat search and rescue, all share an ethos. And it's so others may live. That they serve and they sacrifice so that others may live and have life. And it, it meant and means so much to me that I actually got it tattooed on my arm. Right there. So others may live. And it actually means so much more to me. It's so much more meaningful the longer I spend in ministry. But it reminds me of a story. I've actually never shared, well, I shared it first service, so that's a lie. But one of the disciplines that, that I was trained in was I was a, a level, a tech four swift water rescue swimmer. Right, you're probably thinking, this guy can swim? Right? I'm a great floater, okay? <laughs> but we had a call a number of years ago for a rafting party that had flipped their raft up the Chilliwack River, and it had actually gotten pinned up against a rock. And so the guide wasn't able to retrieve everybody from this party, and they were all scattered and littered down the river, some people clinging to trees, debris, rocks, whatever they could find. And so we were called to come in and rescue this party. And one of my responsibilities, being a rescue swimmer, um, was downstream containment. And what that is, is in the Chilliwack River particularly, there's one spot right below the Tamahai Bridge, if you know it. It's incredibly dangerous. Lots of fatalities. And especially in spring runoff season, high water, which is what we were in. And my job was to set myself up above this hazard. We used to call it Killer Fang Falls. And anyone that was potentially not rescued or swept downriver, it was my job to save them from this hazard and we'd swim out into the rapids and try to retrieve these people. And so my partner and I were set up on this big rock above the bridge. And one by one, we could hear over the radio as our team was able to rescue people one by one by one. And then all of a sudden we heard it, these three loud whistle blasts 
which signaled to us to look up river. There was something we needed to see. So we looked, and that's when we saw it. It was this lifeless body slipping into the rapids. Now, swimming in rapids, albeit is incredibly entertaining and fun sometimes, is incredibly dangerous and challenging. And it's because the water's tremendously powerful, tremendously cold, and the current travels at a variety of speeds across the river. It'd be the same as trying to cross an eight-lane highway, but every lane is traveling at a different speed. So what it means is you get one shot, and your partner is holding onto a rope that's attached to your back, and their job is to bring you back because you expend so much energy swimming out that you wouldn't be able to come back. And so we have this quick discussion about, you know, our strategy, the timing, the route, and, and then we see this, this body coming down, and I jump. And right away, you feel yourself being pulled away in the current. It's incredibly cold, and you feel its strength, but you just, you can't hesitate. You've got to keep swimming, so you're kicking and stroking, and you're getting rolled over logs and dragged through rocks, and you're getting tumbled around, and you're just trying to get your head above water to, to see this person. And I, and I catch a glimpse of this life jacket, and I knew I still had a shot. And so with a few last big strokes and big kicks, my hand came down right on their chest. Now the number one rule in swift water search and rescue is once you make contact with a subject, you never let go, ever. And I wrapped my arms and legs around this body so tight and we began to just drift down the river. And then I felt my rope go tight as my partner and team began to swing us and pull us into shore. And something amazing happened. As I was holding on to this body, I could feel life all of a sudden come back into it. And this person started to move, and it was this woman, and she was alive. And so we got back into shore, and we, you know, we checked her out, and she was really banged up. And I asked her, what happened? And what she told me was an incredibly sad story. She said, I'm not a very good swimmer. And when the raft flipped, I, I tried to swim. And I kicked, and I swam as hard as I could, but I began to get tired. And no matter how hard I kicked and swam, I just couldn't get out of the river. And as I got more tired and exhausted, I just, got, I just kept losing strength, and I got more exhausted and tired, and I began to lose hope. And eventually I just realized I can't get out of the river. And so I just gave up. And I just rolled over onto my back and gave up on life. And she said, it wasn't until I felt your arms around me that I realized I was rescued. Now that's not just a story about me. That's the story about you. You might be thinking, why am I in a river? I can't swim. It's a metaphor. Okay, the river's life. But I know that you're either one of the two people in that story. That you are either in the river or you're on the rock. That you either need saved or you're saved. Because I think life and death isn't just a figure of speech. It's a frame of mind. I think a lot of us if not all of us, have felt or are feeling hopeless and defeated? I asked that question at the beginning. I know your answer. And I have, I have a theory. We have a spiritual adversary named the devil. And the Bible says that his goal, his mission, is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And sometimes he comes at us in big, grandiose ways, and sometimes it's in small, subtle ways. And I think one of the ways he comes at us is through these seeds of doubt that he tries to speak to us. He says things like, can you do this? Can you do this? Maybe you're a single mom, raising your kids by yourself. Maybe you're going back to school. Can you do this? 
Do you have what it takes? You're not strong enough. You can't do it. Married couple. Broken trust. Fighting. Drifting apart. You can't do this. Can you do this? Do you have what it takes? It's over. Give up. Quit. You're tired. Teen. Trying to honor his girlfriend or honor her boyfriend. Trying to make good moral decisions. Can you do this? Do you have what it takes? You can't do this. You're not strong enough. Why are you doing this? Business owner, entrepreneur, trying to take your business to the next level. Struggling. Finances. Can you do this? Do you have what it takes? You can't do this. Even as I spent the days, weeks, and hours with God preparing this message, I could feel myself slipping into that death mindset, that hopelessness. I found myself so stressed out, so exhausted, so fatigued of just trying to do it on my own, the things that I'm responsible for, the family, my occupation, all those kind of things, just getting so overwhelmed to the point I didn't even recognize it till I was curled up in a ball on my couch just wanting to give up and quit. And God met me in that moment of hopelessness in my life. This is like a week and a half ago. And what he told me, I'm going to share with you. God didn't give you a spirit of quit. God didn't give you a spirit of you are not good enough. God did not give you a spirit of fear. He did not give you a spirit of tired. Did not give you a spirit of exhausted that you don't have what it takes. You see, God gave us Jesus. And the Bible says that through him, that we have a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. He gave us his purpose, a sound mind, this mindset. You see, the devil tries to come at us and say, can you do this? You know what God says? He says, you can do this. He says, you can do this. You can do this. I sent my son for you to die for you, to take your pain, to take your sin so that you too could have life. It's a rescue mission. He sent his son to wrap his arms around you and never let you go. And this is real talk. I think there's some of us here today, we don't even know what true life is because you don't know Jesus. You might know about him. You might be around him, but you haven't asked him to be in your heart, a part of your life. You recognize and understand and feel and know what it's like to be the woman in the river. You know what tired and exhausted feels like. You know what quit feels like. You know what it feels like to want to give up. Because you've been swimming and you've been trying. Because we're all trying to fill our lives with something that, you know, enough. Right? And you've been swimming. Maybe you've been trying for success, wealth, praise, popularity, affection, attention. I don't know what it is for you. You might have even achieved it. You might have grabbed hold of it. And yet you still feel like it's not enough because it's not. Because God didn't create you to lifelessly float through the river. He created you to be on the rock. 
And so I want, I want you to bow your heads as I ask you, and I want you to reflect on this question, what I'm about to ask you. Jesus wants to wrap his arms around you and never let you go. And I don't know what you're walking through in your life. I don't know what pain you're feeling right now. I don't know what pain you've walked through in your life. I don't know how tired and exhausted you are. I don't know how much you want to quit. You might have already given up. But Jesus came to give you the, a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. And you've got to take hold of that. And you've got to ex accept this invitation that he's extending to you. And I think even as I say this, there's this check in your spirit. There's this response in your spirit. Because you recognize it. Because we're created to be in right relationship with God. We're created to be in relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Because he is the enough that you've been striving for. And he wants to pick you up, lift you up out of that river, and place you on the rock of, his, of Jesus Christ. And if you've never accepted that invitation, you've never actually invited Jesus in your heart, you've maybe been coming for weeks, months, maybe even years. But if that's you, I just simply want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. And you can do this. You can do this. I see those hands. I'm telling you, God's cheering for you. He sent his son for you. You can do this. Just raise your hand so I can pray with you. I see those other hands. I see that hand over there too. Those two at the back. Incredible. So I'm going to pray out loud, and I ask that you pray this prayer in your, in your head. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, for me to die on a cross for my sins, to be resurrected on the third day so that I too could find new life. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart, to light up my life, that I want to walk from death to life in your name. Amen. Church, can we celebrate those people that just walked into life? So good. And hey, if you, if you just raised your hand, or maybe you accepted that in your heart for the very first time, maybe you even didn't put up your hand, I want you to take out your phone. You can either do this right now or even following the service. The numbers will be up. But I want you to text the word LIFE to 604-670-3040. And nothing weird's going to happen. You'll get a digital connections card. It's a way that we can connect with you to encourage you. We want to send you some resources via mail. <laughs> that answers some questions that you might have about what this step looks like. But I want to encourage you, the very best thing that you can actually do is come back next week. Clear your calendar and just come back next week and engage in this community called Southside. So cool. And hey, we're not even done. I think there's a lot of us that we accepted Jesus into our life and, and, and God picked us up and put that on that rock. But we really haven't grabbed a hold of the purpose and what that actually means to be on the rock. I think we still live with this river mindset. Remember, life and death isn't just a figure of speech. I think it's a frame of mind. Because there's something powerful about why we're here and how even though the people that just put their hands up didn't just get raptured up to heaven to be with Jesus. There's a reason we're still here. And it's because God has this incredible redemption plan for all of us through his son Jesus, and it includes you.
that we're on a rescue mission led by Jesus that includes you. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And it's illustrated to me by, by this phrase that I hear sometimes. I think the church should really do this. I think the church should do that. And there's some of you that need to hear this this morning. That if you're a Christian, you're a Southside, you're a part of this church, Southside Church does not exist for you. You are the church. You are Southside Church, and you exist for the world. You exist for this city. That when you accepted Jesus into your heart and life, you weren't immediately raptured to heaven because you're still here, a part of that rescue mission. Why? So others may live. So others may live. That's our purpose. I asked you at the beginning of today, how many people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, making a difference? You are. Through the mission of this church. I, uh, I can't believe this, but in the last seven years, the last seven years at Southside Church, 1,900 people have accepted Jesus into their lives. That's incredible. And, and that's, that's you walking in your purpose. You know, I looked at this that night when I was driving to the hospital to be with that family that was losing their dad and their husband. And I had daydreamed about that moment years before, except it was me in the hospital bed when I had my cancer diagnosis, and it was my family gathered around waiting for me to go. But God didn't let that happen. And then there I was, strolling into the hospital with this purpose to bring, you know, life and hope to this dark and hopeless situation. Literally walking in there to beat darkness until it bled daylight. And when I was on my way home, I thought a lot about you. I thought about you. Because you see, this man had, had come to Southside, and he had met you. He had experienced your love. He shared with me that, that on one of the last Sundays that he was here, he felt like he could literally breathe again. He said that he felt lighter on his feet. And, and he had experienced you. And the Holy Spirit was beginning that work in his life. And I thought about you. I thought about every time you park a car and wave to someone in the parking lot. I thought about every time you shake a hand and smile to someone and make them feel welcome. I thought about every time that you give and financially support the mission and vision of this church. I thought about every time you lead your team. I thought every, about every time that you invite someone to join your small group and get plugged into community. I thought about every time you hold a baby so that a parent, a mom or a dad can come in here and lean into what God has to say for their life. I thought about every time that you volunteer in Southside Kids so we can have an entire generation raised up on the truth that Jesus loves them. I thought about every time you love this city and model Jesus' love and bring hope and help in his name. It's your purpose. I thought of you. We had an event in 2018 before we launched this two-year expanded vision called more. And a friend of mine, one of our leaders, said something very profound at that event. He said, I, I love being a part of a church where church people get uncomfortable so that unchurched people can feel comfortable at church. And this is what he meant. 
He said, I love being a part of a group of people that gets uncomfortable in their generosity, in their sacrifice, so that unchurched people, people far from God, can find life. And 2019 has been, was an incredible year. And so I have a video that does a far better justice to how amazing God was in 2019 and the work that he did in and through you and this church. Please watch. If I had to summarize 2019 in one word, that word would be more. As your generosity and faith grew, God revealed his plan for this church to bring more hope, more help, and more home to this city and beyond. This is what God did through your faith-filled giving. In June, we broke ground in our first home base for bringing hope and help to our city in the name of Jesus, not only for now, but for generations to come. An incredible $6.5 million was pledged to our MORE campaign this April, and we've already seen $2.5 million come in. But building a home was only part of God's plan for your generosity, and as 2019 got into full swing, so did the help we brought to our community through For This City and All Is Bright initiatives. Working with our community partners, you gave $315,000, and together we did some amazing things. For the students and families of the Shehala School, 2019 was made a little brighter as your generosity filled 250 backpacks with school supplies and a moving truck full of food. And to our community, we gave another 284 hampers for those who needed a helping hand. New babies were given a welcome to the world as your giving provided low-income moms with strollers and car seats, fully stocked diaper bags, and thousands of dollars worth of diapers, formula, and other necessities. Single moms and seniors were blessed as you fueled up and fixed up dozens of cars to see them safely on their way. And through the Sunshine Fund, tens of thousands of dollars were given to bring some light to families walking through critical illness. Right here at home, students of Chiacton First Nation will be blessed through your generosity with post-secondary scholarships. And halfway around the world, our free school project continues to provide a free education and a daily hot meal to 535 of the poorest of the poor in Maribelle, Haiti. And for the first time, we offered post-secondary scholarships for our free school's most promising graduates. While help was going out to our city, our city was coming through our doors in unprecedented numbers to hear this message of hope, that Jesus changes everything. An average of 1,244 men, women, kids, and students heard this message in our Sunday adult and kids services and our midweek youth program. 323 people walked through our doors for the very first time in 2019. More than 264 of you volunteer on our home team for our Sunday services and midweek programs. Because you serve and because you give, 611 adults and students found meaningful community in one of our Southside groups. In November, we launched a force service, and in its first five weeks, almost 700 people have come to hear the message of hope that Jesus changes everything. and the most amazing numbers of all. Because every number has a name, every name has a story, every story matters to God. God was at work through your generosity. In 2019, saw 264 adults and students take their first step and accept Jesus into their lives. Another 73 people took their next step and they got baptized. Together, 
we set our minds to doing what we could do and over and over and over again. We watched in awe as God did what only He can do. Together. We did this. Thank you for bringing hope and help to our city. In Jesus' name, in 2019. I'm absolutely convinced that the best is yet to come. God is so good. What's crazy is that was 2019. Like we're already like flying into 2020. We've already seen dozens and dozens and dozens of people get saved. We've seen even more money come in. We're planning to, to give away and bless our city more than ever before. And I really do believe that God is just getting started. I want to give you some numbers to show what I mean. In 2019, we had 721 households participate financially in the mission and vision and give to Southside Church. You saw in the video we had $6.5 million pledged. That was the commitment made by, by this community. And that commitment was made by 305 households. Think about that for a second. I stepped back and I thought, man, what could God do if, if all of us that participate financially were willing to get a little uncomfortable in our generosity? What could God do? And then I stepped even further back and I thought, man, what if all of us, what if all of us got a little uncomfortable in our generosity so that others may live? On the way in today, you would have got this, this revised, updated, uh, more vision booklet. It's full of everything you need to know. It's incredible stuff. The building got bigger. We're giving away more to the community because God's just been so good. And there's a section in there called the, the Renew commitment card, and it's either a, a recommitment or a new commitment that we're all going to step up and commit to on March 8th. And there's three sections, and you would simply just tick off the one that applies to you, because we understand there are so many new people that weren't around even a year ago. So the first question is, hey, I'm new to this more journey, and, and I'd like to make a, a pledge of X amount of dollars over these next 12 months. The second section says, I'm already on this more journey, and I want to faithfully commit to my pledge for more. And the third section says, I'm already on this more journey, but I want to increase my original pledge by an additional X amount of dollars. And I have a confession. When we first launched this expanded vision a year ago, there was a big Lotto Max jackpot. And of course, I went out and I bought a ticket. And I think we've all fantasized about winning the lottery. I think pastors have thought about, you know, how much, how many good things could we fund? How much ministry could we fund? And I even daydreamed about walking into Pastor Mike's office with this big check, put it on his desk, being like, hey, the vision's paid for. Let's go. But then I realized I'm not going to win. Because God wants to work through each and every one of you, through your generosity. That's why the, the, the main goal over this two-year journey and this next year is that 100% of our church would participate to bring more help, more hope, and a home for the city. And why? So others may live. You know, if you were to ask me the times in my life when I felt the most alive is when I wrapped my arms around that woman and she came to life. It was also when I was sitting with that man and he accepted Jesus. You know what was uncomfortable? 
jumping into that rapid that day. You know what else was uncomfortable? Sitting with the family as they, as they lose their dad and husband. But do you think it was worthwhile? Do you think I'd do it again? A thousand times. And that's you. That's your purpose. You're here, you're saved, and you're on the rock so others may live. March 8th. Think about it, pray, ask God how uncomfortable he wants you to get. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks so much for watching today. Why don't you come join us at any of our four Sunday services? We meet at Sardis Secondary School in Chilliwack, British Columbia. And for more info, you can visit southsidelife.com.